Well, welcome back to another episode of the Who Became a Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. My name is Simon Osimo, and you can join me for weekly conversations every Thursday with some really interesting people who are going to share their personal stories, transformations and experiences that help educate, inform and inspire. Now today I'm joined by Dr. Samuel Ekendayu, who is a Nigerian now living in New Zealand. Um, university lecturer, life coach, purpose preacher, very powerful um, and spiritual man. And actually, I first became aware of Dr. Samuel when I saw one of his posts on LinkedIn that went viral. I think now it's just short of a million uh, million views where he spoke about the power of consistency. And I've personally gone on to watch that video most probably over a hundred um, hundred times. Now, every week for the last two years, he's released a series in what he calls Motor Vitality, where he shares a very short inspirational um, video. But he's had a lot of transformation in his own life that aged just 23 when studying for his doctorate, the college that he was at in New Zealand actually kicked him out of the program and said, you know, he wasn't good enough. So this is going to be a two-part conversation with Dr. Samuel, where we're going to hear about his transformation, hear a lot about his motor vitality, and just he's going to share um, his life lessons about what it means to, to live with live with purpose. So before we dive into the content, I just want to remind you that you can listen to this podcast wherever you consume your content, and the video can be watched on our YouTube channel at Simon Osimo. So lastly, if you get something from this conversation or believe that others will, it mean the world to me if you would like and share with your circle of influence. Okay, so let's dive into this week's conversation with Dr. Samuel Ekendai. Welcome to the Who I Became podcast. Well, Dr. Samuel Ekendai, welcome to the Who I Became podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Simon. It's a joy to be here and a privilege too. Thank you. And it's a funny story. I mentioned to my son earlier that you know, my, my next guest is going to be in New Zealand and you're 17 hours ahead of me. Uh, and my son responded with, Dad, is he from the future? <laughs> and I said, well... He, he's, he's right me, but, he's right yeah he is Seven, 17 hours it's like you know can you tell so me what happened right. in news yeah so i mean i, I can I know tell you what friday looks like it is. I, I know you're a father of two young boys as well like me so i mean kids do say the funniest things oh, you know cool. so it, it is good but yeah and i mean I, and i'll just touch a little bit about who you are and, and how i actually yeah. sort of got into this conversation because i know that you're a lecturer at, at a university yeah. in um in new zealand uh you're a life coach uh, you're a preacher, motivational speaker. Um, you know, you achieved um, something which is one of my life goals is to get a PhD, is to get a doctorate where you started yours when you were 23 years old. So we're, we're definitely going to, to dive into some of that. Um, you're a native of Nigeria, but now live in, yeah. in New Zealand. And really, uh, Dr. Samuel, you know, I first saw you when I saw one of your posts on LinkedIn that went viral and I was like, who is this guy? This is this is amazing. The, the, the passion, the enthusiasm. No, I loved it. And that was called the power of, of consistency. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, and you're also the author of several books. And I think your recent book you've just literally uh, released is called The World Needs You. But most of your time, um, Dr. Samuel, is spent around the sort of the power of purpose. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, and, and so maybe just tell us a little bit about sort of what you do now, you know, your sort of motivational yeah. speaking and your life coaching. How, how, does, how does that work for you? Uh, uh, like you've said, I'm a, I'm a full-time senior lecturer. Uh, I, I teach here in one of the institutions here in New Zealand. Uh, but most importantly, my life's purpose is to help other people discover their purpose. And that's what I spend most of my time doing, most of my time, um, in fact, literally every single day, I'm adding value to people's lives with respect to their purpose and with respect to them maximizing their potentials. Um, so literally, that's what I feel is the, is the mandate on my life to actually help other people. That's where I find fulfillment. That's where I find significance. That's, that's where my influence lie. Uh, and that's, I do that through my writing, through my speaking, through my coaching. I've got coaching clients all over the world. And I speak, from, uh, I speak on various stages all over the world, from religious stages to the corporate organizations, and so on and so forth, majorly on the subject of purpose and everything else around it. Yeah, that is. Yeah, and actually, I, I left something off that as you were just talking, Ben, a, a random thought came into my head, but you've also done a TEDx um, speak as well. Yeah, so yeah I have. I have. <laughs> there's not much of this guy hasn't done. I think my, my brain is drifting <laughs> off thinking, you know, it's, but the, the power, so, so tell us about the power of consistency, Ben, because that's when I saw mm -hmm. you on LinkedIn. Uh, and just one day, I don't even know why you popped up in my my newsfeed, but you know, I was like, who is this random Nigerian guy talking about power <laughs> consistency? You know, and, and and I listened for it's like a four or five minute video, and definitely for my my listeners, go out and listen to the video. But you know, I was hooked, and I went back to your YouTube channel and listened to most of your um, motivational yes. speeches that you mm -hmm. have on there. Yeah. And so how did that come about then to get the, the sort of the power of consistency? Uh, you know, why, why did that one take off? And just tell us a bit about um, that short video. That, that video is very powerful because it's one of my secrets is, is one of the, uh, and I did a three parts, uh, three parts series of, of, of the power of consistency on my YouTube page. Um, it's literally one of the major things that has helped me because I've, come to realize that success is not a one-off thing. Success has to become a, ha a habit. It has to be something you do over and over again for you to actually be successful at it. In fact, uh, unless something becomes something you do over and over again, there's a likelihood people won't reckon that thing with you. Um, and when I, when I believe I got the mandate to actually start fulfilling purpose and helping other people discover their purpose, uh, one of the key things that struck out to me was um, the idea to start doing a video and to do it weekly. This was very strange. At the time, I had no idea how I was going to sustain doing videos weekly. And this was, this was I got the idea 2016 to be precise. So I'd released uh, two videos, you know, to start with and just randomly just testing things out and seeing how, and, it, and it, they were quite good. And then I made up my mind, okay, I'm going to name it Multivitality, which is a combination of motivation and vitality. Um, and I will do it weekly and I will release it every Monday nights, come what may, uh, all over the world, uh, of course, on social media. Uh, and guess what? Since 30, some, 30, 30th of January, 2017, up until now, I've not failed to release a video weekly on Multivitality. And I can't even tell you enough the benefits and the 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 the, the beauty of, of of doing that weekly. It's just amazing because you know, like I shared in many of my uh, in those three part series, it, it has a lot of benefits when you're consistent. Number one, it 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 establishes your reputation. People just believe that you 
you, you have a reputation if you're consistent. If you're always doing that thing over and over again, they believe that you have credibility. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? And then it's also the foundation of excellence because you know, you are going to make mistakes over and over again, but the more you keep doing it, the better you're going to get at it. So there is this belief that, you know, um, you, you, like many of the people who are who signed up for my coaching would go back to my videos, you know, so some of them maybe have the same idea, similar idea, but they don't know where to get started and how to get started. And they will go back to my old videos and they will watch how I've grown. <laughs> you know, they will see how I've grown and they go like, if this guy has done it like this, okay, if I sign up for his coaching, I would not take as long as it did to get there. You know, I would, you know, I'll be able to uh, learn a lot from him. So um, it's really, really massively helped me. And I shared in one of the videos how for the first time in my life in 2018, I flew business class for the first time. It came out of consistency. Someone who's been watching my videos consistently for a whole year, never made a comment, never liked the post. One day just sent me a random message and said, Hey man, are you keen to come speak in Australia? <laughs> and the next thing was, uh, he was even apologizing to me. Uh, he said he really actually wanted to fly, fly me first class, but uh, there was no first class ticket available that day, uh, and he would do a business class. And that could, would never have happened if I was not consistent with my craft, because of course there will be no reputation for that. But because I was, there is a reputation that that seems to have you know uh, come out of being consistent. And, and people believe in that reputation. Very powerful. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, even for me watching your stuff, I tend to go to the same videos over and over again. You know, so I have consistency in what actually watching your videos. <laughs> what? I, I, I consistently watch the video on consistency. So I don't know what that means for me, but maybe as a psychologist watching it, 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 means consistent. it just means you're consistent. Yeah, it does. Well, and, and it's interesting because, you know, one of the things when you have, um, you know, I think I've also heard the term that, you know, you're a purpose um, preacher, you know, and I myself have had a lot of adversity in my life that you sort of mm. have to rise above. You know, I know when me yeah. and you spoke um, a few weeks ago uh, and did a sort of some, uh, some pre-conversation before recording this, this podcast, you know, I yeah. think both of us are people where, where we see the end goal. We don't see the obstacles that stand in our way. We, we, mm. we see the yeah. end goal, but you know, not everyone is like that. And I think it's key to sort of talk about your own life, but there was a lot of adversity and sacrifice to, to yes. get where you are. And I just want to start a little bit about um, your father's life perhaps, because, you know, you're now in New Zealand, you, you left yeah. Nigeria to get to Singapore, and there's a bit of a story as to how that, how that happened. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Dr. Sammy, maybe tell us a bit about how your family ended up in, in Singapore and then, then New Zealand. So, thank you, thank you for that. When I was uh, age 14, I had this, I conceived this dream to be a professor. Uh, I mean, it was one of those dreams, like anyone that has a big dream, uh, you have no idea how it was going to come to pass. <laughs> you know, you just conceive the idea. And if I, if you have any idea what it would take to achieve that dream, you probably not, you know, say it out. <laughs> you know, you, you probably hold it in yourself. But I was just excited about the dream. And I would say it out to people. I'm going to be a professor. I'm going to be a young one at that. I'll be a young professor. I finished my PhD very early. And all of that. I would just be saying it to people. Um, no, sorry. I didn't even talk about PhD because I didn't know I was going to do a PhD then. Uh, and I was telling everyone I'll be professor this. And guess what? People that started calling me professor this, professor that, at that particular point in time. But we were very, uh, we were very, from a very humble background. Of course, my dad at a point had a break um, that worked quite well, but it didn't last for very long. And then 
you know, uh, things went downhill since then, really downhill to the point that I remember we rented a, a, a house in, in Lagos. And my dad and I were the ones that actually built the soakaway. The soakaway is where the feces go from the toilet, right? <laughs> and, and, oh, wow. and they go right into the ground. Uh, uh, literally, we built that. We built the well with, you know, from which we drank water, literally. <laughs> and it was a one-bedroom flat because I had three sisters. We had to find a way to build another room so that my sisters can sleep in one and then I can sleep in another. You know, uh, it was, it was, life was that tough. But I remember at a point, my dad is a very resilient person and is someone I've learned a lot from. In fact, he's my hero. And one day he just wouldn't give up um, and he would go to the cyber cafe. Those, those were the days when the internet was still, uh, um, This I'm talking about 2005 here, 2004, yeah. 2005. So early stages of the internet. Um, and my dad would go to the cyber cafe and he would just browse the internet every day on, you know, looking for opportunities outside of Nigeria. And one day, you know, several days though, he would come back and he would say, oh, I found this country. You know, and, da, 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 and he would tell us about it. They said, oh, we can do this. And then again, he would come back again. No, 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 we can't go to that country. For example, there was a time he found Finland and then he found Sweden. Wow. And then we can't go there because our oh, Nigerian passports are not allowed and all of those things like that. And then one day he came back with so much excitement like he would, you know, like he, like he's done a few times and said, I found Singapore, Singapore, Singapore. We will go to Singapore. <laughs> and, um, and, that was it. He never came back to say we are not going again. He never came back to tell us about any obstacle. So it, it looked quite registered. But of course, we couldn't afford it. So I remember my dad, my mom taking lots and lots of advanced salaries uh, where she was working um, and a few other loans from friends and family to, for, that, for my dad to be able to travel. And then he traveled to Singapore in 2005. That was, that was how my dad got to Singapore in 2005. And then in 2000 and, uh, around 2006, he got a job at a church. Um, you know, just cutting the long story short, got a job with a church and he was doing very well in the church. And his boss called him one day in 2006 and said, John, what is one thing you think we can do for you? One thing I think we can do for you. And my dad said, you know, I don't want a car. I don't want a house. Just bring my family, bring the whole of my family. My goodness, that was the breakthrough for the entire family. And I was still in my, I was still in the high institution then. I was still in my second year of high institution, you know, uh, in Nigeria. And that was how we all moved away from Nigeria. The, the, the church paid for our flights, you know, literally, my dad didn't ask for a house to give us a house, <laughs> you yeah. know, and all of that. We got sorted. So that was how we moved to Singapore. That was how we got to Singapore, of course two tough times and all, and my dad had to pay all the loans back and so on and so forth. Well, and I, wanna, I, I know you're going to yeah. move on to um, New Zealand or somewhere, so I'm going to interrupt yeah. you and stop you because okay, there's, sure, something, sure. there's something I want to get out of his story, which I, I found really um, significant, is that there was a time when your mother was ill, and I don't think you, you mentioned this, telling the story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I forgot that part. That's, that's okay. That's what I'm, I'm here to remind you. <laughs> yeah. and oh, then I you... remember when, when what, what, did, what, did, what led to the decision, um, you know, for my dad to start to look for greener pastures was when, we, uh, uh, um, you know, my mom was pregnant, and she was pregnant with one of my sisters. And it was a very, very tough period for us that we had to go back to farming. 
and I'm not talking about the mechanized farming now. I'm talking about the kind of farming that you do to actually eat the next day. <laughs> you know, that kind of yeah. farming, you know, that you're that you're literally getting what you're getting from that farm to, to, to take home and eat. And I remember my mom was nine months pregnant that particular year. And while we were on our way back from the farm, mom fell and she fell face down. I mean, I mean, for a nine months uh, pregnant woman to mm-hmm. fall face down, that's horrific. I mean, uh, we were there in shock, but my dad, I remember my dad holding my mom um, in his hands and he was literally crying. And it was a cry of desperation. It was a cry that 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 came with a groaning, like, this is it, this, this is it. <laughs> you know, like I, I, an end has got to come to this. And that was what led to my dad beginning to actually go to the cyber cafe every single time to seek a way out of Nigeria. You know, I, I, it was like, I've had enough. And my family's had enough as well. And I think that was one of the things that really helped him to remember the family, even when he could have asked for all the luxuries of life, you know, and, and, and you know, think about if, 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 if someone were to be, to be given such blank checks, right? You can imagine what they would ask for, oh, yeah. you, know? <laughs> you know, but asking for his family to be brought was just, you know, uh, uh, was, was amazing. And that was literally what helped people like me, you know, and my sisters, you know, uh, all of them today to be where we are today. I mean, probably I won't be here. And if I am, it would have taken, if, if I am, it would probably taken a, a longer route, you know, to, to, to come here. So, yeah, that was that was how that happened. Um, so let me know if you want me to to move to the New Zealand story no, now. <laughs> no, no, I just wanted to get on to um, yeah the, the 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 sort of the feelings or emotions that you must have had. But and the reason why I really want to dive into this mm-hmm. is that most of us know that life comes with sacrifice, um, and, and you can't really compare yourself against others, or you shouldn't. You know, life is just hard for everyone. It just it's yeah. just their interpretation of, of what hard is. But really listening to your stories that, you know, your your mum was ill, your dad said, okay, enough, we're going to leave Nigeria, we've got to find yes. a country that will take us. And your dad's sacrifice was that he had to go and leave his family for a year to yes. a foreign land that he'd never been to, to Singapore, before you guys could come over. So I guess, you know, how, how has that really impacted you now that you're a father in seeing the sort of level of sacrifice that sometimes oh, wow. you have to make. Massive, massive. I made a statement the other time. I talked about how my dad being my, uh, you know, uh, how my dad is my hero. Um, I learned so much from him. I learned resilience. I learned persistence. I learned, I learned being purposeful. I learned, uh, you know, I, I learned that sacrifice, you know, um, uh, that attitude of not giving up, you know, that intestinal fortitude, you know, to carry through no matter what you're going through. I learned so much from him and I'm still learning, uh, you know, just seen the sacrifice that he had to put in you know for the for 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 our future i remember him saying a lot of times he would say to us you know i'm doing this for you guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> like literally and and he was right because uh, at a point he, he left and went back to nigeria he literally went yeah. back to nigeria so it was very clear that he was not like he was doing it for himself uh he literally would Absolutely. He loves living in Nigeria and he's, he's still in Nigeria at the moment as we speak. He moved back, you know, but he, 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 that move settled us, settled someone like me, settled my sister who, who now lives in the UK. But, but seeing all of that has really helped me as a father of two boys now as well to realize that I must give everything and give all it takes for them to also enter into their destiny, into their purpose, and to live a life that, you know, ensures their tomorrow is, is, is settled for, for them, you know, and that has to come from, you know, 
um, I, I remember uh, listening to a tape at a point, and, and, and the person preaching in that tape was talking about the, the original Hebrew meaning of the word father. The word father is the word nourisher and sustainer in, in Hebrew, you know, often, often used in the scriptures in the Bible. And, and when we understand that we are supposed to be nourishers and sustainers, we, we realize that our role is not just to be the head of the family. In fact, a father is actually not the head of the family. The father is the foundation of the family. <laughs> you, know, that's the, you know, that's the way. Yeah, that's the way he, he, he talked about it. And, and he talked about if you're a foundation, if you're the sort of like the soil, you are the you, you are the one that everyone grows on. You are the one that everyone, you know, uh, you know, sort of like steps on, you know, for them to attain their heights and and to uh, and get nourishment from and and get their sustenance from. And I think that was what my dad exemplified you know, to us while we were growing up. And that's one of the things I want to exemplify to my children growing up as well, too being a sustainer and a nourisher. Yeah, it's powerful. And I know that when me and you spoke last time, I think I wrote down our conversation into sort of three buckets about, you know, your father's sacrifice, um, adversity around your PhD, which we'll come on to in a second. Yes, yes. The third one was yeah. sort of, you know, the decision to, to help people. So maybe I'm going to let you talk about New Zealand now, your, your, your new home, <laughs> but, but maybe talk yeah. about the adversity that you had to fight for in your own life because uh, like i said i would love to um, my wife if she listens to this podcast is going to say no simon you're committing more financial expense but i would love to try and get you know a, a sort of doctorate that, that would be a personal goal of mine um but you know you started to do that age 23 and i know it wasn't an easy path so maybe sort of no, talk no. to us about that that process as to what happened so when I finished my master's in Singapore, um, I was going to just um, do my PhD in Singapore. And I could have done that PhD in Singapore um, at that particular point in time. But the challenge was um, I had my, my master's supervisor called me up and said, Samuel, I know you want to do your PhD here in Singapore, but I'm afraid I don't think you should do it here in Singapore. There aren't, there aren't many opportunities for you if you finish here. So that was where it began, so to speak. And I was like, so where do I go? And he said, oh, why not go to Australia? That Australia was what he mentioned. And I started to have Australia in my mind. But if you, around, around, the, around about that time, someone called my dad from nowhere. We had no idea. The, and the number was plus six, four. Plus six four. So my dad asked me to go Google um, what you know what country you know code was plus six four. So I I googled it and and it was New Zealand. That was literally my own first time of hearing New Zealand. Of course, dad had had it before. He he loves geography and all. Um, and it was like, oh New Zealand, and you know okay we just okay who, we don't know anybody in New Zealand and we just closed the case. Hopefully the person will call back or something like that. Yeah. And then later the person called back. It was uh, it was one of my dad's friend who had been. Who, who was living in South Korea before and had moved to New Zealand. Uh, the man still stays in New Zealand till today. And it was the one that, and then he came to Singapore, came to preach for my dad and all of that. And, and one day my dad just came out. Um, it was one uh, early evening, came out of his room and said, Samuel, God just spoke to me that you're going to New Zealand. <laughs> you know, and of course, I'm not shocked, though, because that's how dad speaks. He's a pastor, is a man of God. And many times things get revealed to him like that. And he would just say, you know, um, and, and so he said, I said, you're going to New Zealand. God spoke to me that you are going to New Zealand. And then he said, daddy, what did you see? What, what happened? And then he said, I had a dream and I saw you in New Zealand 
with your wife. So at that time, I was still dating my wife. Uh, we we had we met online. You know, sorry for another day. We met online, and we hadn't even met physically. All right. We had, so all I showed my dad were, were pictures, and all. He knew just for my pictures. Yeah, yeah. So he said, he said in his dream, he actually saw me, and the lady I showed him, in, I always show him in the picture. Wow. <laughs> you know, he saw the both of us, and he saw us carrying a baby boy. So, and he said, and he said that we were so celebrated in New Zealand, you know, in the dream when he came. So he came and he said, he sort of like uh, the, the, the way we were celebrated, you know, and that's the same way it was received, you know, and then he, he got that and, and the dream cut off. And then he came and said, you're going to New Zealand, you're going to do your PhD in New Zealand. Forget about Australia, forget about Canada, forget about the United States, because those were the, some of the places I was applying to then. And then that helped me, that gave me singleness of heart and focus. And I started to apply to New Zealand. And, you know, to cut the long story short, I got admission at Victoria University of Wellington. I was buzzing. I was excited. Yeah. I was just a 23-year-old student. I just finished my master's from Nanyang Technological University, a top 100, or, a top, or one of the top 100 universities in the world. You know, I was excited in my spirit. And then I came to New Zealand. Um, I met my supervisor for the first time. And he... Um, he received me quite well. Everything was going rosy. He actually literally showed me up throughout the, the mountains around New, around Wellington in New Zealand, uh, Mount Victoria, showed me some nice places, drove me around. I thought I was in for a very good time. And, and I thought I was for the first six months. All of a sudden, six months into the program, the very same man that came to receive me and, and took me around and all of that just stopped, stopped liking me. You know, and um, I had two supervisors at that time. I had a primary supervisor, I had a secondary supervisor. The primary supervisor was more senior in rank. He was a full professor. And the second, sorry, my, my primary supervisor was not a full professor. My primary supervisor was just a PhD holder. My second supervisor, which, my, which was my secondary supervisor, was a full professor. So there was always this debate between the two of them, always arguing the direction with which they would lead me and, and all of that. And I was always like the elephant, uh, the grass, between two elephants fighting whenever they started to argue about their philosophies and you know <laughs> and, and 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 stuff and um, um when this when they stopped liking me you know they would say things like um you're too young to do a phd you can't produce a high quality phd thesis da, 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 da. after a while i met with the phd committee and told them what i've been hearing and the phd committee said okay why don't you do a course um, uh, a research methods course. And if you can take this course and pass the course uh, with at least a B plus uh, grade, then you would advance and continue doing your PhD. If you don't, then we will terminate your PhD. Uh, just before that, I had complained about my supervisors always arguing and always making me the grass between two elephants fighting and all. So what they did was they changed my supervisor, right? They, they, they changed, okay. they gave me a new supervisor. Oh, and I thought, oh yes, I've broken free. I should be fine now. Uh, what I didn't know was that, you know, all of them were very good friends and all. <laughs> so it didn't, it didn't last very long. But I was so to, to, to do that course. Guess who was my course coordinator? The very professor that didn't really like me too much after a while, you know, at that time. He was my course coordinator. And I remember I did the course. I did the course to the best of my knowledge. Literally, I helped other students pass the course. Okay. I, I proofread their work and 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 critique their work and I'm not I'm not uh, like I'm not talking about one student I'm talking about like two or three others all right from non-speaking in English speaking countries and then this was me when the results came out I was called into the office of the professor my former second supervisor who, who was the course coordinator for that course and he called me and said Samuel for this course 
I could have given you a B. I could give you a. I could give you a B plus or a B. Remember what I needed was a B plus. Okay. And, and I told him, I said, yeah, if you could give me a B plus, go ahead. <laughs> you know, nice. yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, give it to me. But he said, no, I'm gonna give you a B. I was like, what? Why? If you know, if I get a B, I'm not gonna be able to make it. And he goes, yeah. Uh, because you're too young. You're too young to do a PhD. You still have a lot to learn. You know, when I was your age and I was given a scholarship at the University of this and that, I rejected it. I, I, I decided I was going to get some experience. And he said all of that. I was just weeping right in front of him. I was begging. I was weeping. I was, you know, and all of that. By the time the official result came out, he gave me a B. And I was, my, my, the PhD committee met again and they terminated my PhD admission. I thought it was over for me. Literally, I thought it was over. I thought my dream was crashing. In fact, just before that, just before that, a few months before that, I had a dream. And, and that dream, I saw myself in a, heli in a helicopter with the pastor of the church I was attending at that time, Pastor James Cameron, uh, John Cameron, sorry, of uh, Arise Church uh, in Wellington, New Zealand. And the two of us were in, in the helicopter. And as we were traveling, right, in, in the helicopter, uh, there was this massive storm. And all of a sudden, the helicopter crashed and crashed in front of a big hall, like a massive hall. And, and there were so many people in the hall, like literally it was as though they were waiting for us in the hall. And as soon as we came out of the helicopter on Scath, that's why the fact that it crashed, all right, we came out of the helicopter on, on Scath, we went straight into the hall and it was like we were being led to the front of the hall. And, and we, we stood on a podium, the two of us, they gave us microphones and we started to speak. And as we started to speak, a lot of people were clapping. A lot of people, I saw a lot of people clapping and, and the dream and the dream, you know, finished and ended. So I, I, I was confused about the dream and I called my dad. You know, I, I remember I told you how my dad is a, is a, is a clergyman, uh, you know, and he's the usual person that would, I, would, I would call for, for such. Dad, I said, I had this dream, but I don't know the meaning. And then he took, I think, I think it took some hours. Uh, and then he called me back and said, I've prayed about it. And this and this is the meaning. The meaning is that your PhD is going to crash. The helicopter is your PhD. It's going to crash. But God has a bigger purpose for you in New Zealand. You are going to be a speaker. You are going to preach. And millions will gather at the sound of your voice. That was what he said. And I was like, wow, okay. But then, you know, the PhD hadn't crashed, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it, didn't, but, but it you, didn't make sense. But you had at that point, though, when they, the committee did meet, they gave you a termination letter. And basically, you know, you were starting yeah. to pack your bags. and That was head, after. Head that, to, was after. <laughs> that was after. After the dream, yeah, yeah. After the uh, dream. So, yeah. No, I can say, so when you had that termination letter, you said, you know, that you were, you know, your dreams have been, you know, it crashed. It was like my dream, my dream, my yeah, dream was shattered and all. And I, I was just sort of like consoling myself. I remember I would cry day, you know, almost every single day. And one day I was just making tea um, in, in the kitchen of, of, you know, of the PhD uh, um, students area lounge, so to speak. Um, so they hadn't offered me the termination letter yet. They, they had, they had um, signed it off. I was just supposed to receive it. I think I had about one or two more weeks to pack my belongings. And, and then they had they, they told immigration, the whole thing was a process. Uh, so I was just still there, you know, just my last days, so to speak. And I was making tea that day. And one of my colleagues came to me and said, Samuel, would you like to go to Auckland, um, you know, with my supervisor? I'm like, sure. I mean, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm about to get a plane back to Nigeria. <laughs> so, so why not? <laughs> why, why not? 
And I was like, oh, you know, if you're interested, let me know. Ah, of course I'm interested. I don't even need to yes. think about it. <laughs> and Done. then next day, I, next day he called me and said, oh, you, my supervisor wants to see you. Uh, oh, I, okay. So we went there and his supervisor said, oh, I've just got an appointment to Auckland, Auckland University of Technology. I was wondering if you want to come along. Oh, absolutely. I want to come along. And then we started to talk and started to talk. And he literally worked out my transfer. I call it a transfer because I literally started where I stopped. I did not start from the beginning. I started where I stopped. He literally told Auckland University of Wellington that I'm transferring with him from Victoria. Sorry, he told Auckland University of Technology that I, I was transferring with him from Victoria University of Wellington. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so literally those people took me as one of his students that he was bringing along with him from the other school to their school. Uh, and wasn't know? there something in there, um, Sammy, that they said that... Uh, what they needed to admit you was a termination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay, okay. I'm, just, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting so excited. I'm getting you piping me up for it. So. <laughs> you know, I'm getting there. And you know, and he he told he told he told them and said, oh, he's my, one of my students. And he told me not to say a word. So I didn't say a single word. He did all of that. He he answered all the questions and all. And by the time they called me, was oh, they gave me an, they called me and said, oh, hi Samuel, uh, we've spoken to your supervisor. We understand that you're moving with him from Wellington to Auckland. Congratulations, no problem. However, this offer letter is predicated or is conditioned upon you providing a termination letter from Victoria University of Wellington. I told the lady that called me, I said, do, do you want it now? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't see her face. I'm sure she was she must have been shocked. <laughs> you know, like who gets a termination letter before they get an offer letter? You know, yeah. but I'm I'm sure she didn't know my situation. Uh, but that was that, that was it. And then I saw the same termination letter that was meant to terminate my dreams was the same letter that I needed to actually enter into another realm of, of that dream. And, and it was really powerful for me. It really, really made me very grateful, very grateful to my, to, to the supervisor that I ended up finishing with, uh, uh, Professor William Wang. He's still, he's still here in New Zealand to, uh, till today. Very awesome, wonderful man. And he, I learned so much from him. Uh, guess what? Throughout the whole trying period, he was watching. He was watching all along. He saw the entire injustice, saw everything. He never said a word. And, and you know, it's 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 amazing how many people are just looking at us, you know, in our afflictions and seeing what, and they're watching our attitude. They're looking at the things, you know, how we're responding, yeah. you know, and that could determine whether they're going to, you know, help us or whether, you know, they're going to say something or do something, you know, about it. And that was that was literally uh, um, how I how I my dream, uh, you know, uh, how I didn't lose my dream. Thank you for joining us for the Who I Became podcast. If you are enjoying the discussions between Simon and his guests, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review, as well as share with your friends on social media. Once again, thank you for joining the Who I Became podcast.